welcome to Dark Materials. I'm Faye. Hi. And I'm Rachel. Hello. This is usually a podcast where we're reading through and discussing Philip Pullman's His Dark Materials novels, a chapter at a time, spoiler free. But in this special episode, we are talking about the lantern slides that come along with the subtle knife. Hello, it's fucking boiling. It is absolutely roasting. <laughs> Please think of us. We both have to have had to shut our windows to record this episode, and I am sweating. I'm sat in my bra because I just can't. I just can't. I can't have a t-shirt on. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Hopefully, it'll get removed in uh, in post when we do noise reduction. But my little laptop fan is working its little socks off, and my laptop is hot. Oh boy. Hot. 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 Hopefully we don't lose you. Fingers crossed. Come on, laptop, you can do it. I was taking photos outside earlier of some bits and bobs for my shop update because I was like, oh, sunshine, like the best thing to take photos in is like lovely bright sunshine. And my phone just started overheating from trying to take photos and videos outside when it's this hot. It was like, what are you playing at? I just can't be outside. Like I went for a walk at like, and by walk, I mean, I went up to the high street where I live. And I was maybe out for like 15 minutes and I was like, I can't fucking do this shit. I don't know how. This is enough. <laughs> well, I was going to say, I don't know how. I'm sure we've got a lot of listeners that are in like hotter climates than us. And I was going to say, I don't know how they deal with it. But I think what a lot of people. You don't, get acclimatized. You get acclimatized. Yeah. But I also feel like what a lot of people don't really know about England or the UK in general is that we don't have aircon in our houses and our houses are built to retain heat rather than to get rid of the heat because obviously it's pretty cold here most of the year. So when we get weather like this, it's like unbearable to be in your house. It's so fucking hot. Yeah, we're just not... um, We're too used to the rest of the year when it's miserable. (laughs) We're just not prepared for heat at all. Doing the classic British thing of... We've definitely moaned on this podcast this year about it being shit weather and now that it's actually quite nice, we're like, we hate this as well. <laughs> oh my God, yeah, it's nice for more than five minutes. That's too many minutes. Yes, Start absolutely. being horrible again. Yeah, <laughs> agreed, agreed. Well, how are you? I'm good. In my true fashion, I have a shop update coming up this week. So <laughs> by the time you're actually hearing this, <laughs> it will have been last week. <laughs> I swear, I think you do it on purpose. Every time, every time. I'm just so out of time, so out of sync. When this episode does come out, there will still be a few days left on my raffle. I've done some of my little acorn babies. I've done six acorn babies in the rainbow colours of the like of the pride flag. Not the most recent pride flag because that would be 11 acorn babies and it is the better, more inclusive pride flag, but that is too many things for me to paint (laughs) and I ran out of energy. So there's the six colour pride flag. But yeah, a little set of rainbow acorn babies and I am doing a raffle for them. So if you go to my shop, rachemakes.co.uk, you can buy a raffle ticket for £2.50 and all of the money, like 100% of all the proceeds from the raffle tickets will be split between the Trevor Project and Mind Out, which are both LGBTQ plus charities that help LGBTQ plus folks and mostly youth and provide like support and helplines and loads of information and support and stuff and are there to mostly support mental health which is very important to me and I wanted to do something fun and rainbow for pride and but that wasn't 
hashtag rainbow capitalism and was just hashtag rainbow charity <laughs> so if you want to get a raffle ticket that two pounds fifty it's all going to great causes and your name will go in a hat and you might get to win this little cute little set of six acorn babies so that's the thing that i can promote on the podcast Woo-hoo, finally <laughs> something you can promote Woo-hoo. <laughs> in <Woo-hoo>. time <laughs> three days left on it because i'm closing the thing and pulling names at the big like on like the first of july so you only got a, a small amount of time if you are listening to this on the day that it comes out but yeah i don't have i mean i never have anything to promote but i do just want to talk about burbanum if that's okay <laughs> Sure. I know that you're currently incredibly obsessed with his most recent special. I am. I am. It's my new... Uh, I at Rich knows this about me. I have a very obsessive personality. I go through different hyperfixations. This new Bobo special called Inside on Netflix is my new one. And people are getting annoyed at me for talking about it so much, but I just can't help it. It's actually uh, one... So, to back up a little bit, I suffer from pretty crippling anxiety. Um, and it's one of the few things I've ever seen that really like encapsulates how that feels. It's just fucking great. I love it so much. Uh, there's some hilarious songs in it because Bo is hilarious, but there's some really fucking deep and meaningful shit in there that had me like staring at a wall for like a good half an hour afterwards. <laughs> Truly. Um, I've seen it, I've seen it fucking loads. Like I just, there's something oddly comforting about, um, even quite dark things when it, when you feel the same way and like somebody's articulating your feelings back at you in a way that you never could. And even though it's quite dark, there's still some comfort there. So I think that's what I've kind of been latching onto with it, but would highly recommend, but also content warning because it does deal with anxiety, depression, suicide, etc. So if you haven't seen it and you want to watch it, uh, just look after yourself because it, it's it's quite dark. Mm-hmm. It's like dark and then also incredibly funny. A lot of it put me on edge because it's quite disjointed and like the flow is not, um, if you've seen any of his other stand-up specials, they're jam-packed. There's a joke where he's like, every single second must be used for something. <laughs> this is the opposite of that. Like there's really jarring like pauses and moments of like reflection that just feel... They put, a lot of it put me on edge but then also a lot of it made me laugh and a lot of it made me feel really seen the song that like got me fully like staring at the wall was all eyes on me towards the end i like i i can't even explain why um why but it just did and i was like this feels like how i feel and also there's a great one called all time low where he talks about what a panic attack and or an anxiety attack feels like in this like really upbeat like 10 second long song and i was like absolutely because johnny asked me what my panic attacks feel like i told him and then the next day i was like i I saw it on tiktok and i sent it him and i was like i should have just sent you this this is what i'm going to send everyone when they ask me what my panic attacks feel like it's just such a perfect encapsulation of what that feels like but yeah it's fucking great i love the he is he's great and also has made me question my sexuality how dare he because he looks really hot um, but I think that's just my capability to only be attracted to very mentally ill people. Uh, so. Yay! 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 Oh my God, I'm sweating so much. 
Is it because you're too hot or is it because you're talking about somebody that's too hot? I think it's a bit of both. <laughs> Probably both. Probs both. Mm. But anyway, I could go on about birth forever, but I'm not going to. I'm going to cut it off there. But if anyone wants to talk to me about it, feel free, because my friends are getting annoyed that I'm talking about it so much. So <laughs> feel free to reach out, people. I'm here for your birth content. Do you want to know what I'm excited about that's been happening a lot this week uh yes we've been getting so many bloody emails so many emails <laughs> so much we mentioned last last episode two weeks ago that we bloody love an email and then we've got a mailbag coming up and it, then Faye went through and sorted out all our emails and put them into folders and replied to a bunch of stuff and literally the moment she finished that so many more emails came through <laughs> because you must have all heard us saying how much we love them in the last episode and I it's so exciting. It's great. Thanks so much. And yeah, you've still got, what, like a week to get a few in for the mailbag. So yeah, yeah. A couple of weeks. Well, mm, yeah. When does this episode come out? <laughs> it, like maybe a week because we've got to like plan it and record it and shit. <laughs> yeah. And I suspect we'll do more mailbags in future because a lot of people have sent in mail that refers to the the third book that obviously we can't talk about just yet. So yeah, we got a really good email actually about... um that included some stuff from the Amber Spyglass, which will be fucking great to get into when we get there. But yeah, get your emails in. We'll try and go through as many as possible, but like Rich said, if we can't, then we'll just do another one at some point. Do we do demons this episode? I haven't thought about one. You haven't thought about one? Mm-mm. I was just I was just about to Google, oh, you know what? Salamander, done. I'm fucking roasting. <laughs> yeah yeah um yeah i'll be well i was i was thinking off the top of my head but then i was like no i can't be that do you like cats love to like lay in like and like i suppose dogs do as well they love to lay in like their own like random sunbeams in houses and stuff Mm -hmm. on the floor but i do not want that i don't want to be in the sun so something that is good in heat would be great for me because i'm terrible in the heat a lizard something cold-blooded so that it would at least appreciate the warmth because you like, if you had like a little lizard, he wouldn't have to sit under a heat lamp right now. That's true. I do love lizards. You just as well. like bask in like life because life is warm enough for lizards today. <laughs> yeah, I'll go for a lizard. I'll just go for a generic, generic lizard. <laughs> lizard 1.0. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Original lizard. Shall we get into this? These lantern. I don't know whether it's lantern slide singular or lantern slides. Do you know what I mean? I don't know whether like the three books, they're, they're the lantern slides for that book or if each individual paragraph is a separate lantern slide. So I was reading something interesting earlier. So these little snippets are referred to as lantern slides and I do think each one is its own slide because each one is a snapshot. But also Philip Pullman refers to the little um, the little square pictures that he does at the beginning of each chapter. He refers to those as lantern slides as well. Nice quite confusing though phil yeah thanks thanks for making two lots of lantern slides yeah um <laughs> but yeah so i guess that that's the idea is like it's a snapshot right so each little one is a snapshot of a different thing yeah shall we so shall we explain well, let's explain what they are again because people might yes. not have listened to our <laughs> northern lights one that we did so basically in the 10th anniversary edition of the books and i think in the omnibus edition as well that's like the big fat one with all three books um they're like extra paragraphs here and there that phil wrote that weren't included in the finished book and we talked like in the northern lights one about whether we think 
that they are paragraphs that say like an editor's gone through the book and said oh I don't think you need that or whether Phil has gone back after the book's been written and published and added like thought about some more things to add and I think we came like we said in the Northern Lights one that we think it might be a little bit of both yeah which sounds about right um but yeah there's one for all three books and now that we finish this little knife that's what we're going to be delving into today I read a great little paragraph that encapsulates them really well um from lostinagoodbook.com this little paragraph explains it really well in the release of the his dark materials omnibus pullman has added little postscripts about what he thinks the characters are up to these do not change the story because pullman believes that it is not the author's place and then a quote from pullman it's too late you should have done it before it was published and your business now is with new books not old ones but he does like to play. <laughs> we talked we talked about that in the Northern Lights episode as well. We was like, Phil, come on, you've changed your own books like after they've been yeah. published. <laughs> yes. It's too late, it's published, except for not in this edition. Yeah. I'll change this edition. <laughs> so I've kind of given each one ti- like a little mini title in my notes. Me too, me too. Have you called the first one The Ring? <laughs> I, I called it I called it John Parry and the Ring. Nice. Okay. So this one it it kind of kind of tricks you into thinking that we're going to get an explanation about how Joppery got the ring, but instead it just made me sad about Lee again. Yep, basically. Because <laughs> it says, like, if you could tell a story about the ring and about Lee, and then I'm like, yeah, tell it, I want to hear it. It's like the, the, the journey that this ring took to get from Lee playing with it, with his mother as a child, away from them and into the hands of Joppery is such an exciting tale that I'm not going to tell you, but I will tell you that that tale leads to Lee's death. And I was like, yeah. okay. Oh, thanks. I wonder if, um, speaking for two people on this podcast right now who have never read Once Upon a Time in the North, uh, I wonder whether any of this is like mentioned or like covered in there. I know the basic premise of it. I think it's more to do with how Lee and Yorick met. But I wonder whether there's any like little nuggets of information about this kind of stuff in there. I'd be interested to find out. I'm excited to get around to reading it. You know, we're only a whole book away. <laughs> and we don't even find out what happened to the ring, like in the in this London slide, and it's like, I wanna know. Lee has it when he dies, right? Yeah. I think so, yeah. But it also suggests that the ring the last little line is, well, what happened to the ring? It must still be around somewhere, which suggests it's out in the world somewhere. Who knows if it'll come into play, whether Phil's remembered, whether it'll come into play either in the next book or in in the Books of Dust that take place so much further in the future. Or if he's just completely forgotten that he even said that. Maybe. And it'll just never come up again. <laughs> oh, it's such like, Phil fucking loves doing that though, doesn't he? Like, oh, maybe. Maybe we'll see it again. Maybe we'll hear about this again. Oh, I could tell you a story, but I'm not going to. It's like, it's like no. Oh. No. <laughs> I don't really have anything else to say about that one. The, the, these ones are very short, the, the subtle knife ones. Like compared to the Northern Lights ones, they're they're a lot shorter. Yeah, and they have like different levels of usefulness of information, I guess. Well, speaking of usefulness of information, this second one is incredibly useful and a very like big thing. I thought, and something that would have have not taken much effort to find some way of putting in the books right yeah. <laughs> so basically this one 
just uh, in all caps i've just called it demon watch so basically what this one says is that if a if a real cat or a real animal saw a demon they would see a human they wouldn't see because we've we've had before and i can't remember whether it was northern lights or the silver knife we we know that animals can tell demons apart from humans but i don't think it was specified as to what animals would see but they see a human so do they see two humans they see two lyras this is the thing so we also had a discussion about this in an episode where we chatted about some of Phil's tweets. He did like a Twitter Q&A and he'd said like, oh, they'd probably see a person in a demon and be like, that's the big bit and that's the little bit or that's the bipedal bit and that's the quadrupedal bit, <laughs> depending on what their demon is and how many legs it has. <laughs> but then like, what does that actually look like? Is it like an adult and a child? Like, do you know, like you said, if that that's the big bit and that's the little bit. It's like, how, like, what does that actually look like? Is it some kind of weird warped human? I don't think it's a visual thing. I think it's like a, you just know it thing. Like in a dream when you're going on holiday with your mum, but it's not your mum. It's somebody that you've never even met before in your life, but you dream you knows it's your mum. Yeah, I, I feel like it just, the the way that this was written specifically, it says she would see a human being. So like that, obviously seeing can be interpreted in a, in a number of different ways, but the fact that that sentence is so short and so to the point, I'm like, so they would actually see a human being? I don't think they would. <laughs> I think you're taking it too literally. <laughs> different interpretations. I'm all here for your interpretation because it's hilarious, but... I I would <laughs> I'm taking it less literally because I can't handle <laughs> can't handle. But the they polarity. still have to see something though. Well, yeah, they they see the demon. They just know that it's not a cat. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I just want I just want my thing to be true because I think it would be funny, like a big Lyra and then a really little one, or like a oh, it could be really grotesque and it could be like a human split in half. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it's seeing them. I, don't, I think it's their seeing. I know you don't think that, but I am just keep saying it because you're like, no. And I'm like, but what if? <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Hear me out there. What if it was a human cut in half? But also, n- no. <laughs> <laughs> but also, no, it's not that. So please stop. But what if... Shut the fuck up. Rude. Shut Wow. It's good to know that animals know the difference even if we're not sure about what they actually see well they see a human being rich it says it right there in front of your face <laughs> no oh we're gonna have to move on from this okay. i won't let it drop otherwise okay 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 <laughs> let's move on let's move on okay so chittagatsi one of two about chittagatsi and this one just kind of made me a bit sad and depressed because it kind of sounds a bit like our world, doesn't it? Like, it's got the, like, why can't we just be happy with what we have? And, like, why do humans always want more kind of vibe? Yeah, basically just says when you're walking through the streets of Chittagatsi, you can feel what it could have been if they hadn't created the knife and that it could have been a perfectly happy, prosperous town by the sea had the knife not never come and brought the spectres. But that that's not the nature of humans like they will we'll always want more we're always fucking shut up yeah always here grass is always greener 
on the other side of a magical window that you cut through worlds. Yes, it's true. Oh, we're, we're flying through them. This <laughs> it's going to be a short. I just episode. think it's like it adds to the like alternate world theory that we kind of have of like different realities branching off. Like maybe there is a version of Chitagatsi out there in one of the windows you could cut through to that never had the knife and that is quite a happy, prosperous little town. But we, yeah, we'll never know. Or will we? Or will we? This fourth one, um, which is about Will's grandparents, is a very interesting one because we've actually spoken about this before, but this is, I think, the first time I actually read it. So in the context of the TV show, um, we so we spoke about it in the TV show episodes because we actually see this scene in the show and we see Will's grandparents. This is interesting because in the show, I feel like the general consensus was that there are tensions around race between Will's grandparents and Will and his mum. Are we assuming that Phil wrote Will as white in the book? It's not specified. I don't want to assume, but... There's there's no there's nothing to tell either way. I don't I don't think I don't think. I love that it's not clear in the book and that you can read him in many different ways. But I also feel like, especially with it being mentioned that they're going to like a large house, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, it perhaps brings in more issues of class than it does of race, and that they're just fucking posh snobs, and that it wouldn't necessarily have mattered what race they were, but if they're like living in a council house, they're not good enough. And it's more of a posh posh British snobbery thing than a race thing. But also bringing that in in the TV series once you cast Amir and his mom, not Amir and his mom, the actress is not his mom. Yeah. <laughs> once you cast Will and his mom, um, it it brings in that dynamic. Because um, if you hadn't, if he had been cast as white in the TV series, it would have been more of a class thing, I think. Mm, yeah, because that was going to be my question and my suggestion of like, what do we think the issue is here? And then also... I was like, do is there something here around uh, Jopra's disappearance? Do like, do they maybe slightly blame Elaine for it? Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't like stuff like that. It could be like you could like pick any of the shit. Not that it's in any way her fault, but like, what are the tensions here, and why are the tensions there? Like, was the tension there before uh, Jopra went missing, or has it become a thing since he went missing? Like, have they always disliked Elaine? I feel like surely not, though, because if they liked her, if they really, really liked Will and his mum and there wasn't an existing, pre-existing family tension, they would have been there to support them and they would all be grieving the loss of this missing husband slash son. Yeah, and Will would know them as well. Like, Will would know them. Like, because even if this meeting here went badly wrong as it seems to have gone and then they never spoke or saw them again you still form memories before six and like will would have had memories of like going to their house and things like that it also potentially speaks to like the level of privilege that john parry has come from he clearly has parents that are living in a big fancy house and that are disapproving for some reason of his wife and child which we can read into that either being class or race or whatever and we can see that he's come from a level of privilege that perhaps allows him 
a basis upon which to be able to go and be this adventuring explorer type person or perhaps his adventuring and exploring was a way of rebelling against his parents like he could have gone and worked for a bank but instead he went and joined the SAS and became a mercenary and then an explorer etc etc it's such a different vibe to John Parry knowing if he's come from a place of privilege and either chosen to take a step away from it or rebelled against his parents or whatever like you're knowing that whatever he's coming from is such a different level of like building himself up and he's been afforded whatever privileges a fancy family got him in his youth it it, it makes him even more entitled but then also potentially shows even more how much he does love Will and Elaine because if he is estranged from his family because of his choice of partner and has chosen his partner and his family that he's making over his like pre-existing family that he's come from that like shows a strength of character that's nice <laughs> that's good um we're all here for choosing your family and choosing your people so it's quite a lot it's quite a tangled web that makes up John Perry I think agreed very tangled it's also interesting to see Will's violent tendencies starting as early as six in like the protection of his mother because he says that he wanted to kill them or something or he would have killed them or whatever he would have killed them if he could very much later he realized they were his father's parents but it's over it's it's he would have killed them through protectiveness for his mother so it's this still this thing of like it's violence that's coming from this like weirdly noble note the like inverted commas kind of thing like noble place but violence isn't super noble so yeah (laughs) yeah and and just again just somebody get this fucking child some therapy please for the love of god (laughs) god damn i really should have thought to get find the paragraph in the book that refers to visiting oh yeah the house as well and compared them because i can't work out how much different this is in the paragraph we actually get to see in the book oh here we go the book says there was something about it that made him grit his teeth he didn't know why until suddenly he remembered an occasion when very young his mother had taken to him taken him to a house not unlike this they dressed in their best clothes and he had to be on his best behavior and an old man and woman had made his mother cry and they'd left the house and she was still crying and that's it so it's not super clear it seems that phil wrote the paragraph that we've just talked about from the lantern slides Maybe he wrote that first and that was going to go there. Do you know what I mean? They're too similar to be two separate bits. Yeah, very much so. Or whether he felt that he just needed to really clarify that it was definitely Will's grandparents. But maybe in the book he he made the choice to leave it as vague. That's the first one that we've had that I feel is more like a correction rather than just like an addition, because it is an addition, but it feels like it should have been in place of that paragraph that you just read. Yeah, or just like adds depth that would have been useful rather than depth that is a fun fact Mm. if that makes sense yeah Yeah. absolutely so number five is cute (laughs) it's just lyra laying awake thinking about will and and pan having their little conversation and it says that she thinks of it often in the days that follow and it's just like Stop poking my heart. <laughs> no, it's really cute. And also that confirmation that we kind of, that she was awake and could hear them. And yeah, it's just really sweet. Yeah, really sweet. And that's all that is. It's just the shortest little bit. And it's like, cool. 
I mean, g- good good to know that she still thinks about it, I guess, but sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so number six, this is about the Alaskan window and just windows in general cut by the knife. They say that it says that the windows in our into our world are hard to find and often neglected because people don't like strange things and tend to disregard or ignore them. And then the last line says... There is such a place on uh, Keda Idris in North Wales and another in a hotel in a hotel bedroom in Glasgow. Are they talking about windows? Yes, I think so. So there's a window in a hotel bedroom in Glasgow. I love it. Yeah, me too. I really appreciated this. Um, Phil describes like the kinds of places that you might find a window include things like the corner of a field that hasn't been mowed for some reason that is inexplicable or like that house on the street that never seems to be occupied for very long or like goes unoccupied for a long period of time like forgotten places and I just love that I feel I find like really interesting as a thing because it's also the kind of places sometimes you feel drawn to or you feel curious about but then it's so easy to forget about like there was a house in my village that was I don't think I ever knew if anyone even lived there but there was just like Whenever I'd walk past it, it was like a tiny little cottage on one of the little roads that goes up a hill. And um, like really, really old lace curtains, really like battered looking windows and like just looks empty, but also maybe not empty. You don't know. It's like, oh, it's probably haunted. But also like maybe there's a window in there. And it makes a lot of sense of the choice of location for Will's window in the TV series where it's a little bit more fenced off, it's a little bit, it's less like in the middle of the main road, which is kind of what Phil's done in the book, where it's just in amongst some trees. Like in the TV series, Will kind of goes into this weird greenhouse almost, right? That's just kind of in one of those odd little islands in the middle of the road that people kind of forget about. And like, I love that. I feel like that's, yeah, it lends a lot to that, which is great. No, definitely. I like that a lot. It makes me think of like all the uh, like strange houses that you like read about in fiction like Shrieking Shack in Harry Potter drink um and the house in To Kill a Mockingbird uh, To Kill a Mockingbird where is that character called Burr that lives there or have I just got Burr Burnham on the brain I'll have to look that up but um there's like a house that in that and like just I love like a creepy house and it like it it like triggered my like brain of being like oh there's probably loads of windows in these like creepy the Pennywise like, house yeah yeah, in these like creepy houses yeah. that nobody wants to go in. There's probably loads of fucking windows in there. I love that. If you live near somewhere that you're convinced there could be a window, like oh, an unusual mystery island in the middle of the road with a garden on it that nobody uses, or a, a creepy house, or like a there's loads of um, places where I feel like you could find windows in the Peak District where it's like maybe it used to be like a sheep shed, but it's all it's just like. A collection of bricks now because obviously they don't need anymore it's just like in the middle of a windswept field and i feel like you could find a window at the back of one of those do you live near a place where you could find a window send us a picture because we love that shit i feel like there's probably one in the house next to me the house that's like really just a bit worn and torn and you never see anyone going in and out i never see anyone going in or out of it i think there might be one in there makes me think of is it skellig 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 yeah. And he's at the back of like a ramshackle garage, isn't mm-hmm, he? Mm-hmm. I just love a creepy house. Speaking of creepy, the no, next no. one. <laughs> did you like my segue? I did, I did. So with this one, right, it's quite difficult. We need to come back to this once we've read 
we've got through all the books because this is quite difficult to not talk about without spoiling it could be a knot it could be a pin it could be a place to put a pin we don't know i think it's a place to put a pin i do and um if you folks out there have read the secret commonwealth then you probably know what we're talking about but what i wanted to ask is with that and it's difficult because we can't get into it but like do you think phil knew what he was doing when he wrote this i don't know it's interesting isn't it Mm, very much so I had to Google a part of this. Um, so the basic gist of the lantern slide is that Sir Charles Latrim um, has a silk, his silk handkerchief has a few drops of a floral oil on it that he likes to tuck into his top pocket and sniff throughout the day as if he couldn't get more fucking creepy. I know. Is he, it like, is he just getting high as fuck? Is that what's, is that what's happening here? I do not know. It, also, he's stolen. He's stolen the oil from a bazaar in Damascus, which seems, but the Damascus of another world. Which again, nose tap, secret Commonwealth, maybe who knows, whatever. But what I don't enjoy is that the flowers were bred for their flesh-like exuberance of their scent. Ugh, gross. I don't appreciate that he's sniffing something that smells fleshlight oh that's creepy also as it developed through the day the fragrance of the oil rotted like a meddler and i'd never heard that phrase before a meddler is a little fruit like a quince which also i don't really know what a quince is but it's a small (laughs) fruit but when you get it it's extremely hard and sour and then you have to blet them bletting is the first step for any recipe that involves a meddler and basically it involves just leaving it for several weeks to rot because it only becomes like sweet and tasty when it's gone oh. soft and essentially partly rotted so he's it's not that he's that this flat that this floral scent is starting to smell rotten and bad it's that it's starting to smell sweeter and sweeter yeah right okay that makes sense that makes sense and also lyra mentions his smell loads of times doesn't she in the book yeah she says that there's like a sweet smell about him like some kind of sweet weird smell that's so interesting i did not look that up at all so i was like ew is he just walking around smelling like shit quite often he like leans his head over to the left and sniffs his um sniffs appreciatively perhaps too frankly for the comfort of most companions yeah yeah it's sniffing stuff around people is creepy <laughs> I mean, could he get any creepier? That is the question. Like, it's just so fucking gross. Just the way this is described as extra creepy. Like, if you have, like, a sensory thing where you really enjoy smells, like, especially a lot of people, a lot of folks with autism um, particularly have, like, sensory stuff and some people are really into smells. That's totally cool. That's chill, whatever. But, like, creepy Charles is creepy for this. I mean, yeah, exactly. That's (laughs) That's what I was getting at. Like, he's the creepy one. Like, and the fact that he's doing that adds to his creepiness. With all the other ingredients of him being a creepy bastard gross 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 oh man it's just a lot as well like i feel like okay tv series it's called lost in austin in which a woman who's obsessed with reading the jane austen books specifically pride and prejudice there's like a power cut or an electrical storm or something and then all of a sudden like a random door opens in her bathroom and it leads to the attic of the Bennett family in Pride and Prejudice and she switches places with Elizabeth Bennett. The creepy guy that one of the sisters marries that's like the friend of the vicar or the neighbour, 
he has this thing where he has his hands in his pockets and you can see that he's it's, it's supposed to be like a funny moment in the TV series, but this is all this makes me think of. And you can see that he's like scratching his groin through his like pockets oh. when he's got his hand in. And then it's just a thing in the TV series that he slowly like raises his hand to his nose to oh. sniff his fingers. Oh. <laughs> and it's like a comedy moment in the TV series, but it's so, so, so grim. And that's all that this makes me think of is like Sir Charles just like creepily sniffing this handkerchief in like a similar way oh god no no <laughs> gross uh, i'm so sorry that i've let you in on that it's a very funny tv series it's quite old but like i love it and the mr darcy that's in it is great if you enjoy a bit of mr darcy i can recommend lost in austin where like a woman with a really really bad early noughties haircut there's a lot of layers going on nice nice uh, love it. switches place with uh with elizabeth bennett and like shows up in like Pride and Prejudice, but like wearing jeans and a leather jacket, and everyone's scandalized. Amazing. And then she like fall, obviously falls in love with Mr. Darcy. So I mean, of course, who who wouldn't? <laughs> oh. I mean, last one. We fucking whizzed through these ones. I said that I I remember I messaged Rach and I was like, just read them, Rach, and there's not that much to them. <laughs> like compared to the no. Northern Lights ones. Also, I'm appreciating it though. Like it's nice. This is a very like a. a Lickety split, super quick episode. <laughs> it's too fucking hot to sit here for too long. That's what I'm telling you. <laughs> it truly is. This might be our shortest episode ever. Oh my God. Mm. Okay, so the last one is about Chittagatse again. And it's more focused on uh, like its emptiness and it's more focused on Will. So it says that it's the first time that Will has ever felt entirely safe and entirely at home. And it's because there's nobody else there. And like that's really yeah. sad. That's so sad. It's, it's lonely, but he lives in loneliness like a fish in water. It's like, oh, Will, poor Will. Like more reasons Will. to just give him a big old hug. I do like. I do kind of see that, and I mean, like, I'm sure most of us do in the sense that, like, he's in a world where there's nobody else around. Like, he doesn't. Obviously, he's still worried about the situation with his mum and he's worried about what happened back at home. But, like, he doesn't have to hide. Like, there's nobody around to judge him. There's nobody around to pick on him. He's not having to look at... His mum's not there, so he's not having to, like, physically, like, look after her and make sure that nobody's picking on her. Like, he's just, like, in a way, like, free for, like, the first time. Just nothing to worry about except for himself. It also says he could never know how inconceivably strange he appeared at first to Lyra. Which I think is another thing to the loneliness, right? Like, when he's on his own, he is on his own. Like, Lyra's never on her own because she's always got Pan. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That similar thing of, like, he lives in loneliness like a fish in water or whatever is like, well, yeah, kind of everyone in our world does because we don't have demons. And that's fucking sad. I know, now I'm sad. <laughs> now I'm sad. Sorry. <laughs> Poor Will. Poor Will. Yay, what a great thing to finish on. Creepy Charles. <laughs> and then Will being alone. I mean, I can't, but like, that's it. It feels so strange. Like, though, this is such a short episode. Yeah, it, it's really weird to be chatting to you and it's not two and a half hours later yes. and I was going, fucking hell, this is going to be a pain in the ass to edit. <laughs> yeah, I don't think this will be a pain in the ass to edit. Shall I just make it harder now? Shall I just swear a bunch and then, like, not that we would ever take that out anyway? <laughs> I was going to say, I'm like, I'm not taking out. I wonder if listeners were like, wow, they take out swearing? <laughs> what swearing do they take out? 
I have a correction for last week's episode where I said that my demon would, would be a cute little bird that sings about bacon sandwiches. It's not bacon sandwiches, it's bacon pancakes. And it really upset me when I was listening to the edit and heard sandwiches because I knew, I, I knew, I knew in my heart of hearts that it was pancakes, but I'd just eaten a bacon sandwich. And so it was wrong. It's okay, you've corrected it now. Also, I feel like I said some dates that were potentially wrong for like our episodes coming up and I'm just like... I'm sorry. Like, I, it was the second time I'd done that as well. We didn't go back to listen to check if you were wrong or right because neither of us could handle it mentally. So. No, we were just like, it's <laughs> we'll fine. See. It's fine. You'll, 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 you'll get it when you get them, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Keeping you on your toes. <laughs> but we will, in the mailbag, we will tell you more about, uh, like, our break between books and how long that'll be and when we'll be back and all that kind of stuff. And then, oh my God, it's just a mailbag. And then we'll be picking up the amber spyglass i can't believe it truly i'm a little bit scared because like it is me too <laughs> bananas that book it's bloody bananas i don't think i really understand like there were definitely i think i've said this before but there were definitely bits of it that i did not understand when i read it the first time so that'll be interesting oh yeah i'm currently mentally picturing all the stuff that is going to be really hard to like talk my way through so that's gonna be fun we're in it together we're all in it together yeah exactly and a chapter at a time just take it a chapter at a time don't think about the whole thing just think about it a chapter at a time yeah and being as we're coming up to a mailbag it's also worth mentioning if you have any thoughts that you feel like are like really crucial for the amber spyglass that are like relevant to specific chapters and want to send us like anything that you feel like was a real breakthrough for you that you feel would be useful for us on the podcast please send it yeah oh my <laughs> god please, yeah. we need we need all the help we can get with that book if you want to be like chapter five this and then we'll actually we might be able to talk about it when we reach that chapter that would be amazing yes yes, yes. please help us <laughs> <laughs> please please oh as ever we are still running at rewards for reviews giveaway whereby if you leave us a lovely positive review and take a screenshot and email it to us at her.materialspod at gmail.com that screenshot in your email is basically an entry into a little prize draw that we're running where when we get 50 entries we will pull 10 names out of a hat and 10 of you will get some super awesome bookmarks and one of you will get the merch pack, which, to be honest, by the time we hit those emails, could include all the stickers for the second book as well as the first one. Yep, yep, what? yep. I know. <laughs> yeah, please give us five stars, say nice things. We really appreciate it. If you don't want to leave a review or can't, you could always recommend us to a friend or give us a shout out on social media because that is also very helpful. Yes, it's all very useful and it helps people to find the podcast and bring us in. Yay! Yay! thanks so much for listening to this episode of hair dark materials you can find us on twitter instagram and facebook and tiktok at hdm pod and you can email us at herdarkmaterialspod at gmail.com you can also visit our website at hdmpod.co.uk if you want to support us you can become a patron at patreon.com forward slash hdmpod we also have a shop where you can buy merch featuring all original artwork from rich you can find it at hdmpod.co.uk forward slash shop 
I'm Faye, and when I'm not talking about lantern slides, you can find me hanging out on Twitter and Instagram at Faye, which is F-A-Y-E-L-E triple Y. And if you want to read some of my old blog posts, I'm on Medium at Faye.Ducker. I'm Rachel, and when I'm not here chatting to you lovely folks about demons and dust, I'm making cute and magical arty things. You can find me over on Instagram at RachMakes, on Twitter and TikTok at Rach underscore makes, and over in my online shop, RachMakes.co.uk. Huge thanks as always to Johnny Knott for his musical stylings. We'll see you in two weeks' time, and don't forget, keep telling stories, and all will be well.